Gilman Scholars, this is your captain speaking. Get ready for takeoff. Hello there. Thanks for joining us again for this episode, or if this is your first time listening, welcome. It's great to meet you. Uh, my name is Sarah Murray, and this is the A. Gilman Podcast. Today, I am joined by alumna Kimberly Fuquay to highlight their experience as a member of the Lumbee tribe and tell us about her journey as an exchange student with the Gilman Scholarship Program. Now, as the Gilman Program continues to celebrate 20 years of equity, diversity, and accessibility in study abroad this year, we wanted to remind you all to please follow us on social media as that is the best way to stay up to date about future events and new episodes. But without further ado, if you're ready, Kimberly, I'm excited to formally welcome you to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Kimberly Fuquay from the Lumbee Tribe, a proud Gilman recipient. Um, and I'm so proud to be here for the Gilman podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah, for inviting me. <laughs> yes, of course. And also just thank you for taking the time to join us for the podcast's first ever episode in honor of Native American History Month. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Kimberly, but you recently moved to upstate New York, yes? Yes, so I moved here in 2019. I actually got into a master's program at Cornell, which is in Ithaca. So I lived my whole entire life until I was 38 in rural North Carolina. Um, then, I, then I got the Gilman. So I went from rural North Carolina to England. So it was like, okay, what a big gap of, of, of entertainment here. So still adjusting to all of that, but it, it, it was great. It's, it's still great. It's good. I broke out scarves and hats and everything. I was like, oh boy, it's winter. <laughs> it is time. Fall is is officially here, which I mean, for some people that may not be a great thing if they're more a fan of warmer weather. But for us on the Gilman Scholarship team, that's always kind of exciting because we typically always have an application opened or about to close around early fall. So that does mean that, you know, by the time this episode drops, we're probably already in the middle of reviewing applications, if not close wow. to finishing. So you know, time's changing, weather's getting colder, but it's always a typically a good time for, for a scholarship. So but before I go, you know, way too, um, too off topic, uh, I'm always so grateful whenever we are able to have a chance to interview a quote unquote, you know, non-traditional student, especially with someone with your really beautiful background as a guest, um, for you to be able to tell us more about you and your story. But first and foremost, could you just tell our listeners a little more about who you are. Yes, yeah, so um, I am the mother of two boys. My boys are grown. I'm actually a grandmother now, so I'm a, I'm a new grandmother. So yeah, um, but one important thing about me also is I am a daughter. So I actually moved my mom up here with me. Um, she's like my best friend. Um, it's great. So yeah, like I said, I'm from the Lumbee tribe of North Carolina. And I like to tell people when they say like, who are you? I, I just tell people I come from a, a, a long line of very strong Native American women. Like the, the, the women in my family, there aren't a lot of men. I think th there's just a lot of women and, and we're very strong women. Yeah, so fast forward to um, going back to college when I was 38. So I went, I started, I started back when I was 34, actually. I went to community college after having my kids, 
Community college was awesome. Went to undergrad, did Gilman, went to England. And like I said, I went to Cornell after that. And I recently graduated last May and I'm now living in Schenectady. And by the way, I want to do a land acknowledgement, which I forgot to do. So <laughs> Schenectady is the homelands of the Mohawk Nation, which are a part of the Iroquois Confederates. And so um, now I'm working for the New York State Department of Transportation in the Office of Diversity and Opportunity. Um, so in my spare time, I like to travel and I'm also a Zumba instructor. So those are the things I like to do. So that's all. That's it. <laughs> that's it. What do you mean? That was everything. Yes. Oh my gosh. Grandma, mom, traveler, the whole shebang. Good. Oh my gosh. Right. Goodness gracious. And Gilman Scholar on top of that. Just amazing. Well, I also love to know more about the history of your people and how are you sort of, how are you taught this history? If that's not a strange question to ask. Yeah, so it was really weird. I didn't really connect to my Native identity until I was removed from my Native identity, which mm. is strange because I feel like when you grow up being Indigenous in that community, you just, you're always around it. And I didn't really like um, connect to who I was and I didn't really respect my Native identity until I was put in a place where I wasn't around people who looked like mm -hmm. me. So my tribe is the Lumbee tribe. We are 60,000 of the most beautiful people <laughs> in the world. Um, we're the, actually the largest tribe east of the Mississippi River. Um, we reside in southeastern North Carolina, mainly in Robinson County, which is where I'm mm -hmm. from. And the story about Robinson County is, is the poorest county mm -hmm. with the most crime. So we are known as the people of the pines because of the beautiful tall pine trees that surround our native lands. And the name Lumbee was derived from the Lumber River that flows through our community. We are a very proud people. The Lumbee people are, are just beautiful people. And, and when I talk about them, I'm so prideful and, and I miss my people, but you know, I'm, I'm still Lum and I still, we yes, still connect. you're still connected <laughs> always, no matter where you are in the world. Yeah, one thing about our tribe is we have a very distinct dialect. So um, cool. if, if you ever visit Pembroke or around Robinson County, if, if, if you're anywhere, you hear another long talk, you're like, oh, there's my people. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And I mean, just there you highlighted how you face a little bit of limitations uh, in terms of, you know, finding career opportunities. And I'm glad you're able to get where you were today, but, you know, but th did you experience at all uh, similar barriers when trying to study abroad? Um, studying abroad, no. No one ever really like could connect a, about the federal versus state recognition. Like nobody even cared about that. They just knew I was indigenous and they really appreciated that about me. But um, yeah, there were absolutely some barriers, you know, just being from a poor community, you know, my parents were not educated. So, you know, it's not that my parents or my mom didn't support me. It's I guess she didn't know how because she she didn't have that education. She supported me and in, in, you know, yay, but she couldn't support me with like, let me read over your essay. You know what I mean? Like, so that was absolutely a barrier for me. But um and also just like the strong family ties that you have in indigenous families. And it's hard to find people who support your vision of leaving the country because you know, just dealing with those strong sure. family ties and those cultural barriers. Yeah, there's so many barriers, like um, not having internet, like there's still places, when I, before I moved here, the, the home I lived in, there was no internet access, I would have to go to like McDonald's if I wanted to submit my schoolwork, so 
So I, you know, mm-hmm. even getting the Gilman, you know, I wouldn't have been able to go at all if I hadn't got that. Yeah, no, I can, I truly can only imagine, I mean, just simply the internet access, what privilege people have to be able to have that in their own homes or just that easy accessibility. But I mean, I obviously am super grateful you were able to overcome those general obstacles as well as ones that were very specific to you and your situation at the time and were able to still have a very impactful abroad experience. But now that we're talking about the experience itself, please tell me what were some of the highlights of your time abroad and more about where you went and what were you looking forward to? Oh my goodness. So actually one of the things that was interesting was choosing where I wanted to go. So, you know, by being very Southern and not knowing a second language, never being exposed to a second language, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, I need to go somewhere where they speak English. And (laughs) so that was one of my, one thing I I do remember, and I'm such a huge Harry Potter fan. So it's like, I have to go to England. Like I I have to go. So one of the, yeah, one of the highlights was visiting the Harry Potter um, studio. That was, that was (laughs) I did that before classes ever started. One of the greatest things that happened for my study abroad was the friendships that I made. And, you know, it was strange because I'm, you know, I'm 35 or 36-ish while I'm there. And and all of my cohort, they were 24 or 25-ish. But, you know, I've just met so many great people. And I'm really proud to say, yeah, I have friends in the Netherlands. Humble brag. (laughs) Yeah, I have friends in Germany. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, I really, really, really enjoyed my professors overseas. I went to Canterbury Christchurch University and um, I don't have one bad thing to say about my experience. You know, I just, I went with no expectations and and I think that's what I should have done. Like I had the, it was, it changed my life. It really changed my life. It changed my perspective. It changed who I was as a person. And all of that is without a doubt the hopes that we have for every single Gilman scholar who goes abroad. We hope that they have that same, you know, those same takeaways of it being so life-changing and impactful. Maybe, you know, going with as few as few expectations as possible might might be the key and some very key advice. So thank you for sharing that. Now you mentioned previously, like, you know, your experience in the States, you find yourself talking about your identity a lot to certain groups of people, especially those who are outside of your tribe of native community. Did you find yourself having those kind of discussions abroad as well? Yeah, I was, you know, I was very proud to say I was indigenous. And, you know, when I was in England, I would tell people I was Native American and they would be like, oh, you're Native to America. And I would be like, no, I'm indigenous. And they would be like, oh, you mean John Wayne movies? And I was like, yeah, that's me, but that's not me. But that that's, that's, that's the concept, oh, but that's goodness. not who we are. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, so it was great. I got to teach so many people everywhere I went. I was just telling people about indigenous people and, and, and our, you know, who we are. It was great. And I, one interesting thing was I took a linguistics class while I was in at, at my university and we had to do this project about dialects. And of mm. course, the Lumbee people have their own special dialect. Yeah. So I did like a presentation. I videoed it. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. You know, I was so proud to talk about my tribe and Southern Southern dialect all together and, and our dialect, but that class was so amazing. It was great to be an ambassador for the United States, but also to be an ambassador for my people. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, no, I mean, I can only, and that's something, again, that, that language that we love to use for the Gilman Scholarship is that you are being an ambassador, not only for an American, but everything that, that being an American can be, which oftentimes can be the complete opposite of this one dimensional idea that people have um, when, you know, just how we have ideas of other people in other countries, they have ideas about us. So, you know, it's great to sort of, you know, expand upon those characteristics a little bit and be able to show the great diversity of this country. So I'm, I'm glad you, will, you were able to do that as well. Now, you mentioned you were able to establish an amazing group of friends, regardless of their age, <laughs> by comparison to yours. But were you able to find uh, other connections to either Indigenous people in, in Europe while you were on exchange? Like, how else were you able to, like, find community and connection with, like, like-minded or similar backgrounded people? That was extremely difficult. Um, I did not meet anybody who identified as Indigenous um, while I was on my trip, which was interesting. Um, so yeah, I, and that's one thing that was a challenge for me because you know I went to this place and I didn't see anybody who looked like me. I couldn't identify with anyone. But, you know, it was a challenge, but it was also an opportunity. And I took that opportunity to teach other people. And I tell people all the time, I went to England to learn, but I found myself teaching. I taught more than I learned because I was constantly telling people about, <laughs> I was exhausted. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, because yeah, it's like one person has to tell the story of over 600 tribes. But I think my cohort, and, and for some reason, I wanted to, to bring this point up too. I was able to identify, because on my trip, I, they housed me with the Americans. So for some reason, I connected more with the international students, the, the students from, from all over Europe. So I think I kind of grouped myself in that because as a Native American, sometimes you feel like a foreigner in, in, all, in, in the spaces that you're in because you don't have anybody to identify with. But a slight segue here, uh, a joke that I have made at conferences and other Gilman related contexts is that, you know, the term goes study abroad. It's not the inverse, not abroad studying, you know, to further emphasize that studying should come first. But I also understand, you know, students wanting to have time to uh, explore the city and the new country that they're calling home for an extended period of time. However, you did mention to me that you had some tips and tricks for finding that that key balance while abroad. Do you care to share? Well, first of all, I'm a mama, so I know how to organize. I know how to organize. You know, a lot of my cohort over there, they were young and they were, you know, all over the place. But you know, if I had to give advice, because I was once a school teacher also, so if I had to give advice to people who were going overseas, I would just say it's okay to have fun. Time management is key. So if, you know, you have to manage your time. You have to put aside time to do your studies first because that's what you're going to do. You're going to study, right? So um, just time management, just make sure you are do getting your work done because there's plenty of time to have fun. You, you got to do your work first. Another thing about me is I'm very frugal. So <laughs> I was able to have fun because I was able to budget. In Europe, you know, you could go out to dinner twice and spend 40 bucks, or you could get a plane ticket from England to Berlin for 40 bucks. You know, you, you make the choice about yes. what you want to do and how you want to use that money and, and have that experience. So, yeah, so I would say time management, um, absolutely financial management. Yes. 
Yes, that's a very, very good point. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Now, do you have any suggestions for tribal students like yourself who are interested in studying abroad or even other international education educators or program hosts like, you know, the Gilman Scholarship Program on how we can best support tribal students in, help, in helping them get abroad, helping them find about resources to finance, and then also then how do we help them while they're already on exchange with things like financial planning and time management and such? Like, how can we help? Okay, so I would, if I had to suggest something to students who are applying, I would say, number one, apply. You know, people, <laughs> Done. Sometimes people see the, the application, they're like, oh, I can't do this. No, go ahead and apply, do it. And the second thing is go, you know, once you get the scholarship, go, because that was one of the things, like I was calling all of my friends, telling them why, why I could not go. And my friends were saying, these all sound like excuses, you have to go. So yeah, so apply and then go, because travel can change your life, your perspectives, and it can open up doors. All right, so for to support people, um, yeah, I would just say, whoever you're dealing with, just please be culturally sensitive and understand that, you know, especially for Native students um, within mm. our tribes, you know, I will say I'm Lumbee, I'm not Navajo, I'm not Ojibwe, we, 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 mm. we're not the same tribes, we all have different yes. struggles, and as, as, as any ethnic, as any individual, honestly, we all have our own, mm -hmm. but you have to understand and be culturally sensitive um, mm -hmm. And another thing is to be patient and to be available to students who are applying um, and present all of the help that's available, making sure these students have all the help they can get that they can put their hands mm -hmm. on. Just You can't force them to go, but just tell them this is this. This is a resource. This is a resource. It's very sad for me to say that that does conclude our conversation for today. I know our listeners who've been with us for a while know that I can't let you go without asking you a few um, final questions. Like, first and foremost, what is a dream travel destination or international experience that you'd like to have in the future? You know what? I, I, I don't know. Like, I, have, <laughs> I, I, have, know. I honestly have been everywhere. I have been places I never imagined. So I can't think of any place besides the Lumber River back home where I can go fishing that I would want to be because I literally like my life has exceeded all of my expectations. Thanks. Thanks to Gilman. You know, that's that's OK. You know, there's no place like home, as Dorothy said. Now, if we have any and hopefully have several uh other tribal students who are listening in or other international educators who want to get in touch with you to learn more about your experience. Is there a way for anyone to get in contact with you after this episode airs that you're comfortable sharing? Yes, I am on LinkedIn, but I don't know what that link is. So I'll just, you can just put my name in. It's Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y. Last name is Fuqua, F, F as in Fred, U-Q-U-A. So just look me up there, shoot me a message. Exactly. And, and I, you know, I'm busy, but I could still make time for it to, to help someone change their life. I will totally take out a few minutes to answer a few questions. So please feel free to find me on LinkedIn. But no matter what, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very, very busy life as a mom and Cornell student to, um, you know, join us today and share your story and some fantastic advice. And again, listeners, uh, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Eggleman podcast and we'll be dropping a new episode in early December. Till next time.